Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. You know, I love, I love worshiping through, through song and music and, and all that, that, uh, that comes with uh, actual, you know, the, the worship time of singing. And when I look at a, a stage and you've got, uh, you know, two, two violins and a mandolin and, and, uh, and two other guitars and a bass guitar and you got drums and you got something that Thomas bangs on and then uh, you got two sets of keys. I mean, it's going to be a good Sunday. Uh, I like to look at when whatever Trish brings, I like to say it's a, a violin and a fiddle. I don't know really the difference. Uh, and you could explain to me and then I'd say next time, I don't know the difference. But uh, so I see violin, fiddle, mandolin there. Uh, but uh, what, a, what a great worship team we have and uh, what a blessed... Uh, Blessed time of worship, and I, and I think it's just going to get better after we're going to actually sing two songs after. One song of just deep praise, or deep worship, and then the other one of, of victorious praise as we end. Uh, I want to start off by, by praying uh, this morning, and um, uh, you know, like, I, like I shared earlier, it's been a particularly uh, struggling week in, in, in our world uh, for so many of us. Uh, and, and just, uh, you know, kind of a head-scratcher uh, in a lot of ways. And um, at the same time that that all stuff is happening in our world, and, and, um, and we pray for peace in our nation, and we pray for people to have wisdom on how, how to go about doing things properly and, and, and not to step, uh, step into a place of, of, you know, of doing stuff that's going to harm people. Um, we, we pray for wisdom there, and we pray for uh, clarity, and we pray for righteousness to win the day. Um, and that, that's all real and happening in our world. And then uh, for those of us here locally, uh, a lot of you knew him and, and loved him. And uh, a lot of you may have heard, but, uh, you know, we lost a, an amazing, amazing man of God and, and leader and pastor this, this week. Uh, Marble Falls, a very dear friend of mine uh, named Matt Netzer, uh, passed away. He's pastor of Rockpile, spectacular church. And, you know, when I got the call Friday, I was like in a fog, like, like Matt's one of my accountability partners, and I can't imagine what his what his family's going through, what his church family's going through, because like I'm feeling this, and I'm not even that's not my dad, and that's not my husband or my spouse, and that's not my pastor and my shepherd. So that's 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 hard, and we're gonna pray for them in a moment. But like just me personally, I mean that was my accountability partner, and, and that was hard. And he he loved Jesus, and. The crazy thing, what we know eternally, Mark was talking about, you know, sending, having the send-off for his, his mother-in-law, but like, like she's only good. <laughs> like, Matt passed away, but for him, the next breath for eternity was like only good forever. He's, he's face-to-face and in full knowledge of our Savior right now. That's amazing, but, but then we leave behind until we're all there. Uh, and so I want to pray for, for the Netzers, and I'm going to pray for Rockpile. And, uh, and I want to pray for the, the message today and that we would respond in an attitude of worship because that's what we're talking about, this radical life and a lifestyle of worship. So why don't you join with me? Father, I just lift up uh, uh, Sarah Netzer and, and the kids. Uh, I pray, Lord, that, that as the Father, their Father, eternally, that you would meet them where they are and they would just, you would just hold them. They would, they would know the Father's holding them. 
I can't imagine all they're going through. I can't imagine all they need to go through to grieve properly. But would you be there with them? Help them to walk through whatever the heart and mind needs to walk through and, and the full grieving and, and, and lamenting of that into a place of healing and wholeness in you. That you would just love them where they are as a dad would just love someone wounded right now for Rockpile, for that amazing New Testament church that's on mission and changing the globe and advancing the kingdom and loving people and meeting them where they are. Would you give them great, great peace as they walk these days through? Would they, would they burst for, forth with joy even in the midst? Even as they're gathering right now, Lord, I know there's got to be tears and wonder uh, trying to figure out what's going on, but would you, would you meet them uh, where they are and help them to step into joy in the midst of it all and, 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 and continuing to just look only to you. The questions they have, let them ask you. And Lord, let them, uh, let them be uh, filled with, with peace and blessing and comfort. God of comfort, would you comfort Rockpile? And Lord, I pray that, yeah, that on the backside of this hard loss in our community, that we would see fruit, that down the road we go, whoa, look what came when that one seed fell. Look at the, look at the groves of trees that have risen up. Lord, I thank you for Matt's life, lived fully for you for 44 years and now living with you forever. Lord, speak to us today as we look at worship and what that means and what it means to have a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise and, and putting things in your hands and also having our perspective and our focus be firmly on you. Uh, help us to, to respond to you, Holy Spirit, whatever it is you're, you're sharing with us, whatever we need to maybe lay down, let go of, maybe whatever we need to, to purpose in our hearts and choose to do, would you meet us here? For all those that are listening, for all those that are watching online, would you, would you meet them where they are? Would this be a, would where they are right now, be it in their car or in their home or wherever, would it be a place of worship right now? In your name we pray, amen. So I want to ask a question as we, as we get rolling here. Um, looking at radical worship. And uh, it's rhetorical, although I, I hope you do answer it in your mind. What, and I'm asking me too, what have you been worshiping recently? What have you been worshiping recently? Now, when we say the word worship, for believers, we get all about Jesus, right? That's, and, and that's great, we should. <laughs> we get all about Jesus, so... So, uh, you know, for some, they're like, mm, yeah, but, but I would follow it up with a second question. What have you been focusing on the most intently lately? Because that's still worship, but it makes us, even as believers, answer it in a different way. And we kind of, when we hear it that way, when, it, when somebody says, hey, Scott, what are you worshiping recently? I'd be like, Jesus and Jesus and Jesus, and I love the Bible. And that's true, but sometimes it's true and, because I have to ask the question, what are you focusing on? I'm like, oh, yeah, this and that and this and what. I can worship, right? And, and so we need, to, we need to look at it and go, what am I focusing on recently? And go, oh, I get, I get it. 
I see the point now. What owns my heart, what owns your mind, what owns our emotions or our attention is what we worship. Just is what it is. And God knows people need me and they get off track and stuff happens that's really real and stuff happens that's really not real sometimes. But my job as God is to constantly bring them back to a place where they worship and focus on me. So he's okay with knowing that's who we are. Now, he's not going to give us a pass and go, yeah, it's okay that, that you worship hating CNN or you worship loving OAN or whatever it might be or fill in the blanks. He, he's not okay with that. He's not going to be like, yeah, go ahead and do that. No, he's going he's to be like, no, no, me, me. He knows that if he can bring us back, when he does bring us back to that place of turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, that, that truly the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And he knows that's good for us. And that's what advances the kingdom. Because me focusing on what, what frustrates me over here will never advance the kingdom of God. Now, does it affect my life? Of course. Do I want my kids to grow up in this, in this nation that, that, that looks like it could be crumbling? No, I don't. But that doesn't advance the kingdom. And the bottom line for a believer is we're saved and we're adopted as sons and daughters and we're given a mission, a commission of advancing the kingdom so that heaven will be populated the most. And me frustrated at someone or something or or whoever runs the internet and world of the, uh, of the gods, whatever that might be, that will never advance the kingdom. It will never populate heaven. And I get it, we still live here. So God's not saying, oh, just pretend that the world doesn't exist. No, we're here, but the here doesn't own us. So don't let it own you. And I'm talking to me, too. Like some of you, you're doing a lot better than me. But we're all still in this struggle together. So our big idea today is, is worship is how we live, plain and simple. So who or what do we worship? And our goal is to live a lifestyle of worship. I think a year ago, this message would have been a lot uh, less distracting to receive. <laughs> but it is what it is. Like Jesus, we need to have everything be about God. Everything be about heaven and eternity. Now, we are told to love God and to love people, and so people matter, but, but if I'm not all about God and all about eternity, then the way I love people will only be something that ends when I stop breathing. So I have to be all about God and all about eternity, because what I'm giving them is eternal. Or I'm giving them just the mess that we all walk through here. So Jesus, he loved people. He came down here to save people, to die for people. To die for the people then and die for the people now. But it was all about God and eternity because that's forever. And then when we have worship in the right spot, we're focusing on God and eternity is what matters for people. Then we love them in that way. And, and we're in this purposeful place where we can see miracles happen in people's lives. Where we can see love change everything like we sang about. Where we, can, where we can see people transformed because we need to be transformed. Yes. And God's desire for us is that we would endeavor and learn and come to a place 
where we worship him no matter what. There's this amazing story that most of us know about the woman at the well in, in the book of John. He writes about it. And of course, Jesus goes to the well, and there's this Samaritan woman, and he starts talking to her, and she's like, why are you talking to me? You're not supposed to talk to me. I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jew, and so it's like makes you dirty just to talk to me. And Jesus is talking about uh, eternal water, uh, water of eternal life, and she wants some, and she's like, and, and he tells her, you know, uh, t- they're talking about her relationships, and, and then he, you know, she says something, uh, something is referred to in, in the conversation about... Uh, about her husbands, and Jesus is like, yeah, you, you've had five, and the guy you're with now isn't your husband, and she's like, uh-oh, and, and they're talking, and, and, and they're talking about worship, and she's like, well, we worship here, and y'all worship there, and da 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 and then Jesus says this in, in John 4, 23, but the time, because they're, they're talking about, you have to be in a certain spot, you have to be a certain person to worship right, and Jesus is like, no, it's different, I'm here. It says, the time is coming, Indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. You see, to worship God in spirit means that, that it must originate from within. It, it comes from, from my heart, not from my duty or my religion or, or just the, the things I've, you know, that I just checked the boxes of, of worship. That the glory is given, that I'm motivated by this love of God and, and this being in awe of who he is and, and all that he's, he's done in my life. Worship can't be mechanical or religious. It has to be infused with this heartfelt commitment and faith and zeal and love. It also means that the, that the Holy Spirit, when he says spirit and truth, it also means that, that this Holy Spirit who dwells in us, it he stirs us up to celebrate and, and rejoice, to give thanks. The Spirit opens our eyes to see and to savor all that God is and to know and experience Him with this, this, this love that we have for Him because of His unconditional, far-reaching love of us. He talks about truth, and, and, and real simply, Jesus is, when He refers to truth there, He's saying we worship who God is and, and what He's all about. We don't add to or take away from that. That's why it's important to know the truth, the written word, and to know that Jesus is the truth. And so we, we worship him from this heartfelt like exuberance and commitment to him, but also in truth of, of paying attention to who he is. And like God, the one who made us, we have emotion. We are supposed to have emotion. Now, it doesn't mean that emotion means you have to do this or that or the other. It just means that you're not a bump on a log when you're worshiping God. That sometimes you're just undone before him. And sometimes you're just so excited before him. And sometimes you can't help but just be like, whoa. And sometimes you can't help but be like, wow. But we have emotion. It's natural. Anybody ever go to their kid's game and watch their kid do an amazing thing and go, hmm, No. Unless you're a terrible parent, right? No grandparent drives five hours to watch their kid play in a basketball game, and then as, a, as the 11th man on the basketball team, when the kid gets in there, they go, yeah, I'm good. No, they're like, Billy's in for the last minute. We're up by 74. Woo! Right? We have emotion. It's natural. So true radical worship doesn't mean I run around, although that could be it, but true radical worship 
It engages the heart, the mind, the emotions. And we let loose or we're undone. But we're connected with heaven, like heaven. Not like, eh, heaven, whatever. Heaven! So we sing about what's true about the living God and who He is while letting the Spirit in us that God made that is now led by the Holy Spirit, we let that Spirit out. Let the, whole, let the Spirit in you. God made us body, mind, and soul. He made us with the Spirit and soul. He made us with the flesh. So He makes us and then, and then inside of us as believers we have this Spirit that's been infused to life and now led by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, by the way. We need to let it out. And worship God for who He is. Don't hinder this, the move of the Spirit in your life. Respond to God as you're singing about Him and, and praying to Him and worshiping Him and, and thinking about Him. And when this, when this Spirit and this truth factor clicked with the woman at the well, she was transformed. She became an instant disciple missionary. She's gone. She's like, whew, i got to tell you something about someone he knows stuff. And when, and when she was like infused to new life, this next part that Jesus says came to, came to fruition in her life when he says in verse 24 that, that God longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in absolute spirit and truth. This is a must, Jesus says. So does that describe you and I? There's a story in Habakkuk. It's one of my favorite uh, writings in the book of Habakkuk. I, for some reason, I just love that book. Uh, I don't even know if I say Habakkuk right, uh, but um, but there's this there's this part in, in uh, Habakkuk uh, chapter three, right near the end. It's only three chapters, and I want to read this "Yet I Will" story to you. We're going to read verse seventeen first and talk about it, and then and then read the follow up. But listen to how how fun this sounds. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines. Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Now, if you stop right there, it's like, okay. I mean, if, think about if that was your life, that was describing your life, and some of you are like, I think it is. But if that were describing your life and you were in some battle in life and facing some big struggle, like what would be your response? What would be the way you choose to move forward from there? I mean, right here, we see a person who tried, obviously, with all the stuff listed, and fell short. Like, it's more than just bad skill set. This is abject failure, right? I mean, this person's describing failure. This is like a deepest level of disappointment going on. Planted seeds, built the pens, made investments, and whether it was this person's fault or tragic circumstances, everything's bad. Like it all looks bad, sounds bad, is bad right here. There's, there's nothing good listed there. And maybe, maybe you can relate in life somehow. The relationship fell apart and you couldn't save it. The world shut down and it just cost you so much. You worked hard and got overlooked again. You kick that habit and it keeps luring you back. You brought the kids to church every Sunday as you raised them and now as adults they're making those decisions. You ask God to heal 
or to intervene. And it's still broken. He had so many questions for God that you asked and you end up with more questions. You failed and that was never your goal or your aim. It hurts. You're standing there and you're feeling so powerless. But we have to continue reading because the word yet is so powerful. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. What a great transition that is. Yet I will rejoice. I, I'm going I'm to be joyful in the God who saved me. Like this world exists. He saved me in it and from it because I've got that to look forward to. Like I have an abundant life now, but I've got a perfect eternal life later. What a refreshing truth. He's standing there and he's boldly saying, I still have a choice. I love that about this story. It's like, fail, 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 broke, 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 dead, dry, done. Yet, I have a choice, so I will rejoice. That's right. And I'm going to take joy. And, and that's one, it's one thing to go, okay, I'm going to rejoice through the pain. It's another thing to say, I'm actually going to take joy. I'm going to look beyond what I am literally experiencing. No fruit, dry ground, sheep carcasses, and then the cattle are all gone. I don't even know what happened to them. <laughs> but man, I can have joy. Most of us non-spiritual giants, if we're asked, if we read that first verse, and it's like, what would be your, your weapon of choice? What would be your next move? Us non-spiritual giants wouldn't say, worship, right? We'd be like, I got to figure out what went wrong. I got to point the finger. I got to get out of here. I got I to gotta start a different kind of job. Most of us wouldn't say, we worship. Yet, there's worship there. His, his weapon of choice which would have not been my first option, was worship. Because singing isn't a great defense tactic, right? Worship is a weapon, though, and it is a choice that we have. Maybe you didn't have a choice in what happened to you, wherever you find yourself, whatever is going on. But you can choose now. You can respond to God now. And not focus on what happened, but focus firmly on Him because He's worthy of our focus. Our choice is to worship. When I'm weak, when I'm hopeless, when I'm powerless, I discover that the greatest thing I can choose to do is worship God. It's the greatest power in my life because worship is my weapon of choice that I'm supposed to make. It's also God's guidance to me to help me be properly focused on Him so that He can fight my battles. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible is 2 Chronicles 20. I know that Nate, it's one of his favorite stories too. Um, we probably battle over who talks about it the most. But it's this, it's this amazing story about the transformational power of thanksgiving and worship. If you know the story, it's the, the, the people of Judah, the God's followers led by King Jehoshaphat are in this place and three armies are coming to wipe them off the planet. Not like negotiate a treaty or anything. It's like we're going we're to kill you and end you. And it's three armies and they don't have a shot. They don't have a shot. And, and I'm going to read some of the verse, and it's in chapter 20. I'm going to read some of it here to us. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but it says, Jehoshaphat, the king, was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. 
He stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. So they went to church and he prayed. The whole nation. Whenever we're faced with calamities such as war, or plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence, God, before this temple where your name is honored. We, cry, we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. But God, that ar- those armies are still coming. We're powerless. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Then one man, in the midst of all this, stands up. He gets spirit-filled. He stands up, and he speaks from God to the people. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army coming for you. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. And then goes on, he says, but you won't even need to fight. Like, they're coming to kill you. They're more powerful than you. March out against them, but you're not going to fight. And it's like, oh, are we just going to die and go to heaven? (laughs) I mean, he doesn't tell them how it's going to play out. He just says, you're not going to fight. But it's like, well, I could get shot and not fight. Uh." It says, for the Lord is with you. Then the king bows and they all worship. The worship leaders started going. I mean, they got those instruments out. and They said, let's start worshiping. If we're going to go down, we're going to go down singing and playing. They even, led, they even later on lead the army as they go up the hill. They're going up to the lookout point to see what's going to happen. And the, the worshipers are leading the way. And they sang this as they went. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At this very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused those armies to turn on one another. They all killed each other. Everybody killed everybody else. In that moment there, You see, thankfulness is what rose up in them when they got themselves in that place before God and they said, what do we do? We don't know what to do, but we're asking you, we're crying out for help. And the Lord led them to to pray and praise and thank him. But the victory hadn't come yet. But what happened was thankfulness crushed the fear So when they walked up that hill, they're like, man, I wonder what we're going to see. I wonder if we're going to heaven today. I wonder if we're going to win. I wonder wonder what's going to happen, but I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid, they said. Because thankfulness crushes fear, and, and worship says it's all about you, God, and I don't have to be afraid. Worship invites God into our setting, but more importantly, it puts us before him. That's the important thing. Worship invites God into my life, and that's great. It sets me before him, and that's spectacular. That's what he wants, us before him, telling him how amazing he is, because that gets our minds and hearts in the right place. You put thankful hearts together with worship of the living God, and it sets everything as God designed it to be. It puts us in this place where we can do what the Psalm Psalm 46 says, be still and know that he is God. Anybody in here, online, or listening, Anybody this week need to be still and know that he is God? Every day, every hour for this guy. Probably even while I was sleeping, I'd wake up and be like, be still and know that he is God. That, That phrase, be still and know, actually means let go of your grip and put yourself in a place of humility and weakness before the God of strength. When I am still and know that he is God. I let go of trying to make things happen or figure things out. 
And I go, you got this. Jehoshaphat, they all, they all knelt before the Lord and said, okay, we're, we're gone on our own. So if we're going to end our lives on this planet, we're going to end worshiping you and humbling ourselves before you and looking to you. We're going to let go of our grip and just focus on you. That's what Psalm 4610 means when it says, be still and know that he is God. We let his strength do everything for us. Worship breaks down walls. Worship draws us close to the heart of the Father. Worship changes everything because it reminds us of who he is and, and what he does for us. And it reminds us who we are to him. It puts our, our identity firmly in what he says. I remember when my marriage, when our marriage fell apart back in 2002, 2003. It was the middle of 2003 and it was, it was over. It was done. And I was broken. I wasn't like I wasn't a man of faith. I was just a, a man of Scott. But but I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. But I've gotten myself here, so I'm going to try you. And I began to worship. I was powerless, and I didn't know what to do, just like Jehoshaphat said. So I just started to worship because I knew I could do that. I actually began to thank God for for who He is, and also thank God for what He'd given me. I'm like, hey. Every morning I wake up that I'm married, I'm still married. Thank you. Tomorrow I might not be, and I'll thank you for something else then. But I can thank you for this now because this is true. You're still my God, and you'll always be, and you're still the God of my marriage that I have today. Worship centered me firmly on God, and I focused on Jesus. And then look what God did. There is no logical reason that our marriage made it. Yet, 17 years later, Five kids later, one pug later, we're loving life in the midst of a world that seems to be swirling in a little porcelain bowl right now. Yet God. Because the battle belonged to the Lord that I worshipped, not to me who couldn't figure it out on my own. I let go of the grip. Don't be afraid anymore. People online, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid anymore. Don't let the world tell you to be scared. Don't let other believers who might be off track tell you to be scared. Don't be afraid anymore. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we don't need to. <laughs> There's a living God right here, right now, who's for you. A God who wants to bless you immeasurably. A God who knows what the future holds because he's the author of it. The enemy has tools and tricks and, and, and distractions that can throw us off course. Doubt, anxiety, fear, worry, depression, anger. Distractions that are meant to destroy you. But worship triumphs above them all. That's why Michael mentioned uh, Cultivate Marriage class that's happening on Sunday mornings at 9. And we have Cultivate kicking back in tonight at 5.30 here that, that you heard on the, on the announcement video. That's why I love those, those two ministries because they help us to focus properly, deal with real stuff that's in there, not pretend or fake, but, but deal with real stuff so that we can, we can live a lifestyle of worship because worship's not just singing, although that's part of it, that's the praise part of it. Worship is, I focus on you and I follow you and out of that overflowing life, I live life with people. And that's what I love about Cultivate. It focuses us there. Worship is your weapon. So make sure your weapon stays sharp. And you'll see God's victory come in your life. 
Worship him with your whole heart. Because here's the thing. Worship, when, worship him with your whole heart or choose something else. What's the alternative going to be? Because you don't get to worship God and. You worship God or. I worship God or I worship someone or something else. And I don't like the alternative choices. They stink. And they're death. And they'll bring me nothing. And they're certainly going to burn when this world ends. But this will go on for eternity. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to, we're going to go into a couple songs of worship. The altars are going to be open for you if you want to come up here. The first one is one of my favorite songs in my entire life, the entirety of, of my memory, and that's How Great Thou Art. I don't know of a song that gets believers in Jesus more excited together than when we sing, Then Sings My Soul. It's like I can just hear heaven singing with us. But before we go into this, this song of, of worship about how great he is, and, and then a song of praise about being filled with faith and wonder, I want to pray a, a, a prayer for us, this radical worship prayer to set our minds and hearts right. And I would just ask that you would, you would whatever you need to do right now during this prayer, you would connect with the Father. And it's like, you might be saying, Lord, this is me, this is me, this is me, or help this be me. Help this be me. Get my, get my mind off and my heart and my focus off the clutter around me and firmly focused on you. So would you just join with me in a prayer for each of us individually, but for us also corporately? God, we're going to worship you no matter what. We're going to worship you for breakthrough in our lives. We're going to worship you to crush lies and speak truth. You are in control, God. No more stress. We're going to worship you. We will choose to not complain any longer. We worship you. No more gossip. No more hateful words. No more being, no more being pithy about things. Lord, even though real stuff happens, we're going to worship you. We choose like Jehoshaphat. Like the author of Habakkuk, we're going to choose to worship you. In spirit and truth, Jesus. When we feel angry, Holy Spirit, call us to worship you. Father, when we feel like quitting and just throwing in the towel, packing it in, let us worship you. Worship is our weapon. And may our souls speak a better word individually and collectively as your body because you are so great you are so worthy how great thou art Lord even right now help our souls to sing to you alone Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.